Thank you so much, Lydia. Beautifully teed up, that thought about openness. Um, and let me just do a bit of housekeeping. So today, um, I want to speak um, on money and giving and what Jesus says about money and giving. Yay! <laughs> I wonder what your first reaction is when I say that. Um, maybe you are thinking, oh no, why didn't I pick this Sunday to go to brunch with my friend? Why did I come along to church? On Giving Sunday, maybe you're thinking, why didn't I decide that on this particular Sunday I'd be doing my garden or something else? I don't know what your initial reaction is when I say we're going to be talking about giving um, and what Jesus says about money. It can be kind of awkward, can't it? Um, and I just want to kind of name that as we begin. Talking about money can be kind of awkward. But I want to suggest that today, far from being awkward, and the sort of topic that we decide to look down at our shoes uh, when it's being talked about, actually, Jesus' teaching on money is awesome. Rather than being awkward, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' wisdom on money is awesome. Uh, Jesus wants us to experience fullness of life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come. Why has Jesus come? So that you might have life and life in all its fullness. You might have a rich and satisfying life. You might have life and live it to the full. That is true for all of us here this morning. From the youngest, we've got little, what's, what's the baby's name? Aria. Aria, beautiful. We've got little Aria here this morning. That's true from, for Aria and through to the very oldest. For all of us, God wants us to live and not simply to exist. He wants us to know life and all its fullness. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That means kind of law observance, stressing out about rules. But the kingdom of God, the life with Jesus in the kingdom is all about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, that's a kind of being in right relationship with God and with others, just kind of being um, in that place that we were created to be, being alive. Anybody here want to feel a little bit more alive? Yes. Uh, peace. Anybody here want to feel a little bit less anxious? Maybe a little bit less anxious about money. Anybody here want to live with a little deeper sense of peace and kind of resilience in life and joy? Anybody here want to know a little bit more joy in life? That is what God wants for us. And I want to suggest that Jesus' teaching on money can fast track us into that abundant life that he has for us. Such is the power of money in our lives for both good and ill and to shape who we are. So rather than being awkward, I want to suggest that Jesus' teaching is awesome. So we're talking about money because Jesus does. Jesus talks about money an awful lot. And it's central to our growth as disciples. It's central to what's going on in our hearts. But I also want to, this morning, just give a bit of a picture of how we're doing as a church financially, just to be really open about that and kind of paint a picture of where we're heading. So we've got a few um, 
slides that kind of help explain this. So um, on a welcome meal, so anyone new to the church, we invite them along to a welcome meal at Lydia and I's home and um, give them a good meal and we love to connect in relationship and it's just a chance to get to know one another. But at some point in that welcome meal, we'll just outline our vision and our vision is the love of Jesus in Sydenham and Forest Hill. We're here to bless our local area. Um, But how are we going to do that? We're going to do that if all of us get to play, if all of us play our part. And we say there's four, there's really four ways, there's four kind of um, ways to be a member of this church, four things that we ask of members. Uh, To come on a Sunday is one. And kind of nationally, attendance on a Sundays is People tend to come, you know, once a month, twice a month. We really want to encourage people in the church to make Sundays a priority if you possibly can. So come on a Sunday, join the giving scheme, so give financially to the church, serve on a team, and join a connect group. That's what we uh, ask of members here at the church. That's what we think it means to be a member, that we're all playing our part. And um, if we just flick on to the next screen. Currently, this is where we're at uh, with that. Um, and so giving, uh, ideally, you know, we're looking for the whole of that circle to be filled with blue. Uh, so that says that 23% of the church are currently on our planned giving scheme, so giving regularly. So uh, when it comes through to me, uh, kind of monthly uh, from our finance manager, I can see we've got, a, we've got about 23% of the church who are giving regularly. And uh, we want that circle to be blue. We want everybody to, to be part of that, to, to uh, get the benefits of giving and to feel part of contributing to our vision in that way, whether that's a student giving £10 a month or someone who works in the city giving £1,000 a month. We can all play our part. And then serving, so that says that serving, 18% of the church are currently on a team, and obviously we want that uh, kind of burgundy circle to be nearer 100%, that we're all playing our part. We've got a variety of teams to be part of. I was speaking on this a few weeks ago, uh, from children's to youth to worship to welcome to our love for Sydenham Forest Hill Ministry. And so if you're interested in volunteering and be part of a team then uh, do speak to me or you can email me at ben at holytrinity.life. And then connect groups. So these are midweek small groups. And that's, I guess, just to say that there are different spaces when it comes to our faith. And Sundays are great for some things. It's good to come together with a larger group of people to hear teaching, to enjoy worship and ministry. But if we're going to go deeper in our faith and in our discipleship, smaller groups are really powerful. And there's loads of research done um, by many different organizations and churches which testify to the same thing. And so connect groups are really important for our discipleship. They're also our primary vehicle for pastoral care. So if someone in the church is in need, it would be the connect group that rallies around and helps that individual. So that's why we want to encourage everybody to be part of a connect group. Currently, we aren't quite there, as you can see. So the headline is, as we move forward, we need these percentages to move up. We need a little bit more color in these graphs. Okay, could we flick on to the next slide? So as we think about our... Income as a church, that is our income from the last 12 months. Uh, And so we've got, I think I'll look this way. Uh, So we've got regular giving, 
uh, which is just under 50% of our income there um, of £105,000, basically. Uh, One-off giving, a uh, couple of percent there. Gift aid, we're able to reclaim quite a lot of gift aid. Um, so if you're a taxpayer, we can get 25% back. Grants uh, at just under 8%. And then rental is about 20% of our income. And renting is fine um, at the moment, but ultimately, when we think about our vision, really, we want um, our giving to take up most of that circle. And the reason is, if we're renting the space out, then it's fine to bring in some money, but it's not necessarily helping with our vision to bring the love of Jesus to Sydenham and Forest Hill. Um, And the thing to note there is that there is no magic money tree from the diocese Uh, where we get income. None of our income from there comes to the diocese. The diocese uh, pay for me as the vicar, and they cover my costs, but we have to raise all our own money. And that's just a little bit of confusion. Sometimes people think that the diocese fund us. They don't. We raise all our own money. Okay, can we move on to the next one? So that's uh, our expenditure uh, that goes against that. Um, and so we've got governance um, at about 3%, so 3,500 for governance. We've got worship at 15%, community work at 6%, mission at 5%, and then uh, operations, so just enabling the church to simply run at about 30%. And then, obviously, the largest um, proportion of our expenditure is the parish support fund. So that goes back to the diocese. And so if you think of our income at about 105, about half of our income goes out straight away to support the diocese. Uh, And so when it comes to, we're thinking about our vision, the kingdom of God, to see heaven come in Sidman Forest Hill, to bless our local community, to make Jesus known, the three colors there, the green, the cream, and the red would be what? Um, can go towards that. And ultimately, we want to increase that. Um, At the moment, this last year, we've kind of been doing some good ministry, but it's been fairly kind of foundational. So we've been running a service on a Sunday. We've had a midweek communion. Um, uh, A wonderful team led a community cafe over the winter. Um, And we have a a monthly youth group. But that's about it. And so we're at a place where we're multiplying Um, the sort of ministries that run from the church um, in order to see our vision come. And so our expenditure really needs to go to that and reflect that. And um, we're kind of making plans at the moment for um, we believe that God is good. He's going to provide and we're making plans um, to bless our local community. And we're calling it Love, Sidham and Forest Hill. That's kind of like the coverall name for our community work. And I just want to um, give you an idea of some of the different ministries that are either started or we're in conversation about starting from this church to inspire you and excite you uh, this morning. So Unconditional um, is about to begin, and that's a ministry to support victims of domestic abuse in our community. What a real heart to be able to provide a space to do that here at Holy Trinity. Uh, As you know, we've just um, begun a connection cafe. The long-term vision for that is that it might become potentially a CAP support hub, uh, Christians Against Poverty. And so uh, alongside that may be a job club, uh, there might be a depth center, and uh, we would need to increase funds to be able to pay for staff and training to support 
those in uh, poverty in our community. So to run a debt centre, for example, costs about £300 a month minimum. Um, we want to begin uh, an alpha course very simply. And um, for example, we might want to subsidize the cost uh, of coming on alpha for someone who couldn't afford it. Um, we have a week, we're going to have a weekend away as part of that um, and meals. And so if we were to cover meals and the cost of a weekend away, that would be about £250. Um, we'd love to be able to do that. Baby and Me, we've just started, but as part of Baby and Me, we have a lactation consultant there um, who can support mothers um, in our community in that area. They might not be able to afford to go to someone, but we can provide that for them. But that costs about £100 um, a session to have a lactation consultant there. Uh, we want to start a toddler group. We just walk out on the streets. You can see buggies everywhere, um, and uh, it's an obvious need for families in Sydney and Forest Hill. So we want to start a toddler group um, and to be able to, to make relationship with our community and to, to share Jesus' love with them. Uh, we'd love to start a parenting course, given all the families in our community and um, the conversations are in the very, very early stages around that. Um, but just to give you an example, it would cost about £1,000 for um, a staff member to be trained to run uh, a particular parenting course that we are looking at. Um, we're in talks to start dance classes here, um, and uh, as you may or may not know, dance is a great way for young people to gain confidence and um, express themselves, and we would love to be able to give subsidized places for teenagers, for young people in our community to come along to the dance classes, um, and uh, we, would, we would be covering the cost uh, of that to enable them to do that. Uh, there's a conversation about environment group I had recently with a member of the church and many other things, many other hopes and dreams. Maybe you have a hope or a dream of something we could start here from the church. So that's just a kind of picture of the opportunities that we have ahead. Um, but if you just want to flick on to the next slide, Nick, thank you so much. Um, the reality is, you know, you don't need to be a mathematician to work out we're currently making a loss. And this was planned for, this was part of our strategy for growth, along with the PCC. We're using reserves to enable us to do more so that we can grow, but we do need to turn the tide fairly soon. So I just want to be really upfront about where we are at as a church and the opportunities to give and where they might um, go. Fantastic. So that's kind of like some of the practical stuff. There's a window into to what we're doing as a church. But um, I want to come back to my statement that Jesus is teaching for us on money and giving. Can we, can we flick on from that slide, Nick? Thank you so much. <laughs> um, is awesome. Rather than being awkward, it is awesome. And actually, as we follow it, we will experience more of the righteousness, that sense of being truly alive, peace, and joy of the kingdom. So what does Jesus say? Um, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. So if you've got a smartphone, do you flick to that reference. We've got some old-fashioned Bibles over there if you prefer a paper copy. Matthew 6, 19 to 24. And Jesus says this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so one of Jesus' key teaching 
uh, key teachings we find in the Gospels. Um, he's talking about the way of life in the kingdom. He's talking about how we are salt and light, how we are different, how we stand out from the world around us. And as we stand out, we're different. We live the way of the kingdom rather than the way of the world. That's how we're salt and light. And that's how we bring blessing to the world. And so he talks about all sorts of different things. And then uh, he's just talked about fasting. And then in verse 19, he starts to talk about money and how we're going to be different with the way that we invest our money. And Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And um, Jesus essentially says three things, three bits of wisdom on how we use our money. And the first thing that Jesus says is this, invest in heaven. Invest in heaven. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh, I remember a little while ago, um, sometimes in our, our house when we can't find anything to stream, we can't find anything on telly, we end up watching Grand Designs. Anyone else here watch Grand Designs? Yes, don't be embarrassed. Great program. Um, but we were watching Grand Designs. And this episode really sticks in my mind because there was this couple and they had saved up for the whole of their lives to build this house on uh, some island in, in Europe somewhere. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was you know, a beautiful island somewhere, maybe a Greek island, something like that. And they'd saved up the whole of their lives to do this. And uh, they'd done it. They had retired. They'd built this house. And the day after that house was built, one of the couple sadly became ill and passed away. And I remember thinking how finite and how fragile that dream was, that dream of this couple. They, they put everything into this dream of this property, and it, all, it, it didn't work out. It went away. And Jesus is saying that actually if we invest in stuff, it is so fragile. It is not eternal. Moths come and destroy it. Either we conk out or it doesn't last so Jesus says, invest in something that is eternal, that will last forever. So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Resist that consumer instinct that we all have to serve me, myself, and I, because ultimately it won't satisfy. The greatest house on the most beautiful island on the sunniest day will not satisfy the deep desires of our hearts. Our lives are worth more than that. They're not bad things, but don't build your life on these things. Don't store up, don't work away for that one goal. But rather, Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Invest in heaven, the things that bring the kingdom of God. 
and that would seem to be the local church as the primary vehicle for God's kingdom here on earth now after Jesus has came and ascended. He passed on his kingdom mandate to the church, and so the church would seem to be part of that charities, giving away to bless others. Jesus says something similar uh, a few verses later in verse 33 of Matthew 6. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, And Jesus, at that point, has moved on to talk about um, anxiety and worry, particularly worry about stuff, um, the clothes that we wear, the food that we eat, um, the material belongings that we have. And he says that pagans, it sounds kind of harsh, isn't it, in today's language, but he says those who don't have a faith chase after these things and are full of anxiety about these things, but not so with you. You are to seek first the kingdom, and what will happen? All these things those material things, the things that we worry about having enough, will be given to you as well because God is your good father and loves to provide for his children. It's completely countercultural, And this is what we find in that provocative sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. So don't run after the things of the world, but run after God. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, first thing. And then secondly, Jesus says, guard your heart. Look after your heart when it comes to money. I find this really interesting. Jesus says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And for a long time, I read this and was really confused because I thought it should be the other way around. I thought it should be where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Because there's a sense in which as we receive the generosity of God and His grace in our lives, uh, you know, on a day like today when we see the beauty of His creation, we're just aware of the goodness of God. And when we receive that in our lives, when we reflect and we sing about Jesus, there's a natural overflow into generosity. And so as our heart is, then what we do with our money reflects that. And that is totally true. That's in the Bible. There's so many examples uh, in Scripture um, and in church history uh, on that. We think of Zacchaeus, for example. He was a man who experienced God's grace and generosity in his life. And it had an outflow into generosity to others. He gave his money away. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But Jesus isn't saying that here. He's saying where your treasure is, there your heart will be. As well as money following our hearts, also our hearts follow where our money is. And money has the potential to have power over us. This is what Jesus is getting into. And this is why, perhaps in this room, it feels really awkward. There's a bit of a tension, right, when we talk about money, because it's got a kind of power over us. We're not totally free. Jesus goes on, verse 24, and says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and you love the other, Or you're devoted to one and you despise the other, but you can't serve both God and money. Here Jesus is using the language of worship. Who are we going to love and serve? Who are we going to live under? Who's going to be our God? And you know that word money that comes right at the end of verse 24? In the Greek, it's the word mammon. And mammon was actually a god. It was the the Greek god of wealth. 
And Jesus is, is giving us a choice. He's saying, you've got to make a decision. Who's going to be your master in life? Are you going to serve money or are you going to serve God? Because there's no third way. So what's it going to be? He's giving us a choice. And the thing is, when we live under the God of mammon, when we live under the God of money, things begin to go wrong. When we worship money, when we love and serve money, things begin to go wrong. Elsewhere in Timothy, um, the Apostle Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Just think about that for a, a second. That's quite a statement. The love of money is the root of all evil. What, what's, what does that mean? What, what is Paul talking about? I think he's ultimately talking about greed and the power that money has to evoke greed, to, to evoke sin. And sin is basically when we turn in on ourselves and, and life ultimately becomes about us and pushing ourselves forward, our own comfort, uh, our own promotion, worshipping ourselves ultimately. And money has an incredible power to do that. And when money is our God, then we don't ultimately, we're not ultimately satisfied because it's only the true God, the God of Jesus, that can ultimately satisfy our hearts. When we worship the God of mammon, we will always be let down, just like that couple on Grand Designs uh, found out. And the way that we free ourselves, how do we free ourselves from living under mammon, which we can all get into. How do we free ourselves from that? We give away generously. It just cuts the instinct in us to consume. It cuts the instinct for greed. It frees us from anxiety and money. So generous generosity, extravagant generosity frees us from the idol in our lives of money. There's an intimate connection between money and our hearts. Jesus says, if you want to make sure your heart's in a good place, if you want to invest your heart into heaven, then it begins by investing your wallet into heaven. And that leads to the final thing that Jesus says, uh, which is live with a good eye. Live with a good eye. Do you know what that means? Jesus says this in verses 22 to 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, that little phrase, the eye is the lamp of the body, was a Jewish idiom. And so a good eye is someone who's always looking for opportunities to give. And a bad eye is someone who's always looking for opportunities to get, to receive, uh, to feed that consumer mindset, which was alive and well at the time of Jesus and is alive and well amongst us uh, at the moment in our society. And we hear it all the time, don't we? We, we? We've tried it ourselves, that consumer mindset, that promise that if I just buy this, if I just get this, then I'll be truly happy. But Jesus says, if you're always looking for what you can get, you'll be miserable. He describes it as being darkness. In, in darkness, we're actually afraid. In darkness, we stumble, we get hurt. There's no direction, there's no enjoyment in life. Um, and he goes on to say that if we live with a good eye, an eye where we're looking to give, where we're looking to be generous to others, then our lives will be full of what? Light. Our lives will be full of the joy, 
the peace and the righteousness of the kingdom. We'll experience that rich and satisfying life. This is um, in keeping with kind of general teaching on our attitude as Christians that runs throughout the New Testament. Jesus says in Mark 8, if you want, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life away, you will find it. So live with a good eye. Be looking for opportunities to give away, and you will be full of light. And I wonder if there's someone who comes to your mind when you think of someone who has got a good eye, uh, just that instinct to be generous to others, joyfully generous, and is so full of light because of that. Uh, I think of uh, a number of years ago now, over 10 years ago, um, when at the end of um, my days as a student, I went to Vietnam for three weeks, and we stayed in Ho Chi Minh City, and we were kind of connecting with other students um, in in the city and uh, other Christians. Uh, we went as part of a, a kind of charity trip, and uh, we were staying in this hotel, and these students would come and pick us up on these motorbikes, because that's how you get around Ho Chi Minh, and they drove us around places. One afternoon, they drove us to where they were living, which was out of their country, because it was cheaper, and uh, they put on this meal for us. And I was really struck by where they lived. They didn't have a lot of money. Clearly, there was about four or five students living in one room, and they had one sink, and that was it. And uh, their kind of normal uh, diet would just simply be rice and some vegetables. And they'd saved up over a number of weeks to go to the market, and they bought this fish, and they cooked this amazing fish, and we had this wonderful meal. And uh, it was just, it's always stuck with me as a wonderful example, a really striking example of generosity and how generosity changes us. Their generosity changed me. And that whole room, that whole atmosphere of that meal was full of light because they had this good eye. The point is we want to be full of that light. We want to be Alive, we want to be healed, we want to be whole, we want to give God our everything. And so we need to ask him for a good eye. God, open our eyes to see how we can give and not get. And when we live this way, it's really fun. Giving is really fun. Jesus said, give so your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing. It's like we just, there's an opportunity to give, we're going to give. To bless others, we're going to bless others. To buy a coffee for someone, we're going to buy a coffee. To, To give to Our kingdom work, we're going to give, and it's really fun, and it's a joyful thing to do. The Bible talks about giving hilariously. Uh, I just love that. So there's lots of heavenly things, kingdom things that we can give to, as I said, charities and causes. But what I want to say this morning as I sort of draw to a close is as members of the family of this church, one of the primary ways that we're going to invest, that we're going to reposition our hearts in heaven is by giving financially to the life of the church. It makes no sense to be a member of HT and yet not have our hearts invested in what God is doing here. Uh, So could we just have the next slide, Nick? Thank you so much. So giving uh, sorry, target for this Giving Sunday in June is 36,000. So that equates to raising planned giving by uh, 3,000 pounds a month. And uh, I think that that is very doable if we all play our part in this. Uh, For example, we have three new families to join the giving scheme and give £500 a month. And six people started uh, upping their giving or start joining the giving scheme at £250 a month already there. So that's just kind of nine people 
uh, playing our part. If we all play our part in this, then I think that is very uh, doable. Obviously, it won't be as neat as that, but um, that's our target for this Giving Sunday. Okay, next slide. Thank you so much, Nick. Um, so the ask is to join the planned giving scheme if you're not already on the planned giving scheme. And in a moment, I'm going to show you how you can do that really easily. Easily. Uh, if you're already on the planned giving scheme, the ask is that you would increase your giving to 10% of income. Why do we say 10%? Uh, very simply, it's kind of like a baseline in the scriptures um, for giving. It comes from the Old Testament concept of a tithe, uh, where uh, in Old Testament times in the law, it required people to give 10% of their crops and livestock that they raised to the, the tabernacle. Um, in fact, there were a number of different tithes, which I think is kind of unfair because you have a number of different tithes and they probably ended up giving about 30%. But uh, it comes from the Old Testament. Uh, they gave their livestock. They gave what they produced to the temple. They also gave to the Levites and they gave to um, the poor of the land as well. And then if we move quickly to the New Testament, um, the New Testament kind of message on giving is extraordinary generosity. As we receive the generosity of God, we then reflect that back in our own lives. and We place our, ha- our hearts and our hands in, uh, the, the, in, in to our Father, our loving Father, and trust Him for provision. And um, this 10% um, idea, this is something that Lydia and I do, just to be open. So we literally, we see our monthly income, which is four figures. We take a zero off and then that we give away to the church. So we give 10% of our income to the church. And that's what we're asking everybody to do as a kind of baseline um, for what it means to give here at Holy Trinity. And then if you're already giving at 10%, would you give a one-off gift? Uh, just a little caveat, um, we do have a fellowship fund. So if you're in financial hardship, then please get in touch with me. And uh, we have a pot of money set aside to help those who are in financial hardship in the church. And if you're in debt, then we say, please do not give. And also, if you're visiting, then please take from this what you will. Okay, can we move on? So, how to give, how to practically do it. Um, We've got a page on our website which is um, set up to make this really easy. So, you can either scan that QR code um, or you can head to holytrinity.life forward slash give. uh, Next slide, please, Nick. And that will take you to this page. And then you've got the different ways that you can give. So, you can give through the parish giving scheme. Um, But we've also recently just set up on Church Suite as well. Uh, which is fantastic software to support churches to run efficiently. And you can give securely through Church Suite. If we move to the next slide, you'll come up with, as you, you click to give through Church Suite, you'll come up with a little box like this, and then you can really easily just pop it in there. Um, you can put what day of the month it's going to come out, or you can give a one-off gift on there, and it's all gift-aided as well. So it's all just done in one place. Um, you can, we can claim gift-aid from that. So that is super easy to do. Fantastic. Okay, so as I really do finish, thank you for bearing with me. I know it's a hot day. Um, Why give? Why give? We give, A, because it's fun. And we want to be people of the light. And we want to invest our lives into heaven. We want to invest our hearts into heaven. And when we do that, we know more of the life of the kingdom within us. We've tried the old ways. We've pursued, me, myself, and I. uh, we've, We've We've done the consumer thing, if we're honest. We've all done that. We've all had periods where we've pursued selfishness. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't work. Jesus says, do it differently. So we give generously 
because that's how we know light and life in our lives. And secondly, we give because we're part of the vision of seeing the kingdom come here in Sydney and Forest Hill. We're committing ourselves to the vision of the church. Under your chairs, there is uh, some little forms um, just to help with this. So there's a pledge 